welcome to another edition of the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion. This is a special. We are joined today by uh, our usual cohort of my good friends Tim Hoffman hey. and Kevin Corvo. Hello. I remain Jordan Smith, and I am also joined today, we are also joined today, by Robin Brenneman. Robin, welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Yes. Robin, why don't you tell uh, people what your present title is? Because you've worn so many hats over the years, but let's let's just briefly set the stage for who you are today. Uh, my current title is Artistic Director of the Hilliard Arts Council. Artistic Director of the Hilliard Arts Council. A fitting, like, center crown jewel in a decades-long career of promoting the arts here in Hilliard. Uh, that title, I think, is, is apt. Um, to welcome everybody in, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of the arts development in Hilliard today, uh, or through today, and also uh, what it took to get there from Robin's perspective. Some of the sacrifices along the way, the hard work that it took to make some of these dreams more reality than dream, uh, and where we're going presently uh, with the current production of Mary Poppins and into the future. So just to begin... You came to Hilliard in 1975. What was the state of local art, local performance in 1975? Uh, Well, there was only one high school, Mm -hmm. and there was a theater program, and there was a very good vocal music program that was run by my husband, um, Ken Brenneman. Um, But uh, the theater program had been struggling a little bit, and um, the... uh, drama director at the time resigned and they were you know I was very fortunate that a former professor of mine at Ohio State University George Lewis lived here in Hilliard and he was a theater professor and so they went to him and said do you have any students that you want to recommend you know so that we can up our game with our theater program and he recommended me and um, Diana Vance, who was my uh, partner in crime for many years as the tech director at Hilliard High School. And so we were both hired and ended up, I directed the plays and she did all the scenery and we really built, you know, it took a long time. Um, We started with doing three shows a year, one kids show, one play, one musical. Eventually we added a second production for not specifically for ninth and 10th graders. Then we added a specific production for 11th and 12th graders, you know, and just kept adding to the program. Sally Gottliebson was hired as an assistant drama director. And so we (coughs) gradually built the program, began really doing what I took great pride in. uh, I think we all did as pretty professional productions for, um, for a high school, and I used to hate that. Oh, gee, that's really good for high school. Can we just stop it? That's really good, <laughs> you know? Well, just think historically. A lot of the actors that performed Shakespeare's original works in Globe Theater were living in conditions and times where uh, people that are thought of as prominent theater performers probably wouldn't have lived as long or as well. Hmm. So to be a high school performer is not uh, the most unlikely thing given the history of performance in the arts world. Uh, to appear on stage and do those things at a high level is kind of an expectation, and I think you will you would agree, Robin, that kids uh, rise to that if sure. you said it. If you zoom out a little bit and think about uh, 
just how much production happens when it comes to theater, musicals. The bulk of that effort that happens in this country is happening at the high school level. Just the volume of work being just done. Just the volume of work being done. So well, that is a real. That's an engine of creativity, and t- and to look down on it just because these kids are in school is not. It's an incubator. Yeah. High schools theater is an incubator for people who eventually become professional performers. Sure. And you know, I have students who aren't, you know, who have performed professionally, uh, but have also gone on to teach high school. Going on to teach college, uh, Mandy Fox, former student of mine, who is currently a full professor at Ohio State Theater Department. Nice. Um, you know, so yeah, the high schools definitely are incubators. They're the ones that get the <coughs> kids interested in it to begin with. A lot of times, the teachers, as I did, see that talent and nurture it and encourage and say, "Wow, you know what? You could really do this." Mm-hmm. And um, and so that yeah, I I think. Almost every professional actor will go back and say, yeah, my high school drama teacher. Right. So it lights the fire for those people that are willing to take it all the way. Sure. And then you never know what level of social creativity will manifest throughout someone's life because they were encouraged or because they had uh, the experience of that social creativity in high school where they felt empowered to risk and dare and feel creative and then... Suddenly, sometime in their future, they're well served by those impulses and by those skills that they pick up in in these kind of productions. There's that, Jordan, but there's also the fact that, you know, these are early reps. You know, to get good at anything, you need to do it many, 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 many times. And so the opportunity for uh, kids of a high school age to do a a number of different shows, you know, there's not often, uh, you know, unless you do it in college as well, there's not often a chance to do uh, such a density, so many uh, productions in a year's time or in four years' time. So it's especially those early reps that really help um, talented kids really develop and hone in their talent. Because you could be talented, but if you're not doing it over and over again, uh, it's, it's not a lot of... it's. Not a lot of use. Well, and the importance of these kind of things in public education. I think that can't be underestimated either because a lot of people in Hollywood now are essentially nepotism cases that have had private educations all throughout uh, their upbringing. And uh, basically there is no or not a sufficient entry point into these creative pursuits outside of these arts programs in public uh, schools. And I I think that... um, to get further into it, how would you say, as you arrived and as you kind of set the stage and developed these programs, <coughs> going through these growth eras that the city has gone through, <coughs> where you have this core team of yourself, Diana, Ken doing vocal performance, you know, building this kind of backbone of an organization that can really put on a, a great uh, production, but then you expand to a second high school and then there becomes demand for more programs and more programming and more access to this kind of creative work so how did that how did that go with what was that era like uh well it was exciting i you know when when darby high school was built um jeff reinhardt was the principal at the time uh consulted with me and i recommended some folks that i thought would be good 
theater directors there because they're a separate entity and so they had their own director they had their own plays their own programs and at that point you're well established in public education career middle of the middle of your teaching career essentially pretty much yeah okay. and and Sorry. so you know that just gave more kids an opportunity to do something because there's always a limit you know Ken's choir was pretty much limited to 100 or so kids. You couldn't accept too many more than that. Mm -hmm. So now you have a second high school with another choir that has another 100 kids that they can have and a band and a theater program. And so it just gave that many more kids an opportunity to participate. Right. Widening the net. Widening the net to let kids get uh, into that participation element of their education. That's awesome. Um, What were some of the productions from those eras in that time that you recall as being particularly challenging or rewarding, something that stood out to you as, wow, we're really hitting our stride? Um, Well, one of the things that happened at Hilliard-Davidson, we were invited to perform at something called the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. Sure. Um, We did that twice. Um, There was something... um, there was a, a competition, and you entered your program. You had to submit a video. You had to submit you know, all kinds of paperwork and so on and so forth. And then they would pick one school from each state. So we were the representative twice from the state of Ohio to go to Edinburgh, Scotland wow. um, in the summertime. Uh, the first time we did it, we performed uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And... Just as an aside, one of the people in that show was a young man named Matt Wolf, who was just named the 2023 Stephen Schwartz Musical Theater Teacher of the Year nationally. Wow. Wow. He's a product of here. He works in Westerville and does what I did for years, and um, so proud of him for being able to do that. So that, and then the second time we were invited (coughs) back, we did Godspell. And um, you go and you get to do probably five or six performances. Uh, the Fringe Festival takes over the whole city of Edinburgh. Right, so they put you in different performance spaces to right. do all these different right. things. Okay. Right, and, and so you can go all over the city and see, you know, amazing productions. And so when we weren't performing, then I was taking the kids to see, well, I took them to see Hair. Um, uh, I had to get permission from their parents. Of course. And because it was a very small theater space, not much larger than this space right here. And um, the full frontal. Everybody's doing the thing. And, they do you know, hair. And, and so it was, you know, but I had said, you know, I, I need signed permission from your parents for you to be able to go see this. And, right. But even I was a little like, oh, wow, this is maybe too close for coming back. <laughs> but it was a wonderful experience for me, for the kids, you know, to, to be in Edinburgh anyway, which is an amazing city, and then to see all these productions and get to perform. Um, you know, so that was probably one of the highlights of those years. Um, and since then, I believe... Davidson has gone back one other time after I retired. Um, Great. Uh, so, you know, that's a... And, and we were also picked one time um, as a Kennedy Center uh, honoree. Um, that was back in the Jessica Grove <coughs> years. Oh, okay, sure. Jessica um, spent more time performing on Broadway than she did in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jessica was, when she was seven, was in our production of Sound of Music. And I said... This kid has it, mm-hmm. and 
she did and she does and um so then she ended up being Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and get to tour the whole country um as Dorothy but we submitted ourselves um to you know be an award winner for the Kennedy Center Arts Award and we won and we got to go to Washington and perform at the Kennedy Center um Jessica came with us and sang something from Wizard of Oz but we also performed uh I think something from Godspell, but it was that was another huge honor for us to have been selected for that. Oh, tremendous, so. tremendous! It's it's those days and nights like that that make all the you know the Casey running around this week and you stressing about every detail, right down to road closures that yeah. we're hearing about <laughs> uh, that make for memorable highlights in a career that's. Not thankless, but it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work emotionally. It's a lot of work organizationally. There's a lot of pressure and stress. What are what what have been some of your most successful methods for living with that in in a way that's productive for coping with those things in those situations? Um, well, the stress, you know, I I mean that goes with the territory. And I've been doing this for almost 50 years. And, um, you know, my very first production was David and Lisa. It was a a play. And um, I was very nervous. And we did, at the time, invited faculty to come and watch a Thursday night dress rehearsal. And um, during that performance, um, the kid who was playing, whose name is Glenn Stout, and is... Glenn Stout. um, Actually, a... Author, author, writer. Yeah, his yeah. one of his books is being turned into a Disney movie. <coughs> okay. Uh, the old, the great, the, the, the young woman the in the sea. It's called. Correct. Anyway, he went off stage and forgot about an entrance. And when it was time for him to enter, he was in the process of changing clothes and he had no pants on. Mm-hmm. And so they're out there and the lights are up and there's no Glenn. And finally. <laughs> Somebody said, hey, get out here. You know, so that was incredibly stressful. Pants, no pants. And eventually pants. Okay, good, good, but, good, um, good. Was this the Commons Auditorium? It was in the old Commons well, Auditorium. I would call the Commons yes, Auditorium. Yes, 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 because that was my first year teaching, 1975. Okay. And, uh, and I've got a million stories like that that you now look back at and laugh and say, wow, that was hilarious uh, or traumatic or, you know, um, but... The rewards for me, people are like, well, yeah, but don't you want to perform? I'm like, no, I take such joy watching what I consider to be my creation. Mm, Sure. Just like a visual artist, when it's all done and they're like, well, don't you give notes? No. Once it's opening night, I'm done. Mm. And it's... It Time belongs to, to somebody else, and I get to watch what, and I get to enjoy the audience's reaction to what mm-hmm. happens. And yes, sometimes I have to leave the room because someone makes a mistake, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But, but um, you know, and and I also have learned over the years uh, to, to take care of myself. Um, you know, probably the hardest time in my career was right after my husband's cancer diagnosis, and we continued to do shows together. Um, in fact, we did Les Mis. Um, that was one of his last shows that he was able to do. Oh. Um, and uh, it was a dream because we both loved that show. It's probably my favorite musical. And um, that we were able to bring it to life and that he was a part of it. Um, and such a vocal performance throughout all those characters, too. It's like, yes. what a 
what a what a mountain to climb. But it was stressful because I knew, you know, and we all knew about his diagnosis, and so it was scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did it, and uh, then we celebrated. You know, so. absolutely. Speaking of degree of difficulty of production, mm-hmm. before we came on today, you're in the midst of a very difficult production. Tell our audience a little bit of, you mentioned it to me, the different angles that make Mary Poppins, as we're doing it, as you're doing it, uh, this time out, difficult and a struggle. It is. <coughs> Not a struggle, I should say, but a a. A, a challenge. Challenge. Yes. Yes. It, challenge. It is the most challenging show I've done in my past 50 years uh, because, number one, there are huge set requirements. Uh, there's a parlor, there's a nursery, there's a kitchen, there's a park, um, and changing these huge rolling units back and forth and having very little stage space with which to store these things. So, you know, everything kind of is. It's like t- a game of buried, Tetris, yeah. you know, um, and and having people having to move this stuff on and off, and you don't want scene changes to take twenty years. Especially if things get <laughs> disorganized in the middle of a change, slows everything down. It does, and and you know, and of course, then the newest challenge was, oh well, while we had lights, we were able to find out where we're supposed to put this stuff, and now we had to put what we call glow tape down, and spike marks so that they knew where to put the scenery when they brought it out. You know, that's that's just one chunk of it. And then we've got magic tricks. Um, In Spoonful of Sugar, the kitchen table collapses. There's a shelf that collapses. Um, There's a cake that gets magically iced in the middle of it. And all of that had to be created um, and then make sure that it operates the way it's supposed Mm to. And then we decided we were going to fly Mary and Bert during the show. Sure. So we bring in a company. Called D- ZFX, um, and and they did the rigging and then trained the high school students who are doing the actual flying. Um, and and uh, last night, Mary didn't fly out during one of her entrances because the lines got a little tangled and the crew decided it wasn't safe, and yep. so she didn't fly. And so I was disappointed, but knew that you know. So we're hoping we iron that out. It doesn't happen again. You know, so there's that. Plus, I have a cast of 85 people. Oh. Now, that is honestly um, one of my secrets. Um, it is my secret for any high school teacher who is looking to build a program. Mm-hmm. When you do your spring musical, you open it to everyone. And you say, hey, if you are willing to put in the time to practice the music, to practice the dancing, you can be in this. You don't even have to try out. You have to try out for the big parts, but if you want to be in the chorus of South Pacific or Fiddler on the Roof or whatever show you happen to be doing, all comers, and I've had kids in wheelchairs. I one time had a student who was deaf, um, and I gave him a role, um, and he, but we had to do hand signals so he knew when to come out. Um, you know, and... And then sometimes you find a kid who's like, wow, this is really fun. I'm going to try out for a part for the next one. Mm-hmm. And that's how you build a program. Yeah. If you do shows, and, and you, don't, you, you can't do every show like that, but at least one show a year. And, the, and we have continued that philosophy with the Hilliard Arts Council. Mm-hmm. 
real broad Our summer cast. musical, you you have to try out, but basically, if you're willing to put in the time, you can be in the chorus of this show. Mm. Nice. And that's why I ended up with 85 people yeah. on stage. Hey, you cast a wide net, and you have a, a program of renown and respect. I think a lot of people want to be a part of that, and a lot of people see themselves in it, and if this is their entry to that, then so much the better, because yep. it'll be a positive entry based on uh, uh, having a director knows their way around uh, a, a, a tough production. <clears throat> yeah. Could you have done Mary Poppins without the Civic and Cultural Arts Center, do you think, in some other venue? Well, I, I, you couldn't do a show like Mary Poppins at the Civic it's and Cultural small. Arts Center. too small. Stage is too small. That's why yeah, we're okay. doing it at Hilliard-Davidson High School. Okay. Because you can't fly anybody in the civic and culture. You can't do any of that in there. And you can't fit 85 people on stage. Right. So we always do our summer show at one of the high schools, usually Darby or Davidson. But to speak to the benefits of the Arts Center, talk a little bit about that. After having gotten the building, gotten set up, situated, and everything else, all that was no easy task in and of itself. It was not. Um the Arts Council was started by my husband in 1975. Um, I was along for the ride. Um, initially, we did Handel's Messiah at holiday time, and we did a summer musical because both of us were teaching full-time and directing shows during the year, so we really couldn't do more than <coughs> that. And um, we did that for many, many years, and always with a dream that, um, that we would one day have our own theater. And that was, you know, Ken had a vision of a place where we could offer camps for kids. Mm -hmm. We could have a visual art gallery. I'm going to get emotional. Um, we could do shows all year long. And we could also sponsor a summer concert series. And all of that has come to pass. Yeah. And the only thing that makes me emotional is he didn't live to see it. True. Um, but... Um, Starting, I, I think, uh, actually, and, and she, Pat, I, um, she's passed away now, um, but she was part of, uh, she, she and Phyllis Ernst came to us and said, okay. um, you know, we want to build a building next to Norwich Township Fire Station and the Safety Services Building. And we want to include a theater and headquarters for the Franklin County Fair. Garbrandt? And Not Garbrandt? Garbrandt. No, it wasn't okay. Pat Garbrandt. Um, Nipple. <clears throat> and a blessed memory. And this was her dream. And so we started, we formed the Hilliard Civic Association and started figuring out how we were going to accomplish that. Well, those things, that didn't work out. But eventually Don Schoenhart approached us and said... Uh, listen, um, Schottensteins are building another apartment complex. Um, and it's a great time because I went to high school with Gary Schottenstein. But, um, <coughs> and whenever they take away green space, they have to replace some green space. That's a part of city something or other. Um, he said, well, instead of doing green space, we proposed to them that they purchase what used to be a granary mm -hmm. in Old Hilliard on Center Street, and we will give it to the Arts Council to turn into a theater. Ah. So um, we went and looked at it, and it was in pretty rough shape. Um, there was 
all kind of vermin living in there and all that kind of stuff. And so we began a campaign to raise money to turn that into what eventually became the Hilliard Civic and Cultural mm-hmm. Arts Center. Um, we had a couple of fundraisers, <coughs> um, and then eventually the, the city and Norwich Township both kicked in money to help beco- that dream become a reality. Take and, it over the top. Um, and yes, and um, what year was that? that was something I reported on. Uh, it was 2017 20. is the year it opened. Um, we probably broke ground for. I know we broke ground for it in 2014, right before Ken died. Um, I think Don Schoenhart um, wanted. I mean, they put a big pile of dirt in front of the building, and they gave us all shovels. Ken was not able to be there, but <coughs> I was. I remember that. And we all kind of pretended like we were breaking ground for this mm-hmm. um, and that would have been 2014 um, so that Ken was at least able to see a picture of us doing it and knowing that it was going to happen and that made him very happy um, and then three years later um, we opened with a production called The Boys Next Door um, and then we did Hairspray <coughs> that year and we haven't looked back and one of the best things about having that building is that we have now added something we call for kids by kids. Okay. We do two productions a year mm-hmm. that feature fourth through eighth grade students doing a play for children. So um, last year we did Annie, and um, what's another one you did? I covered one of those too. And we did um, we're doing in September uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, and it, it provides a great opportunity for those kids mm-hmm. to do something where they get to be the stars because th- there aren't adults playing the adult roles. The older kids play those and the younger kids, you know. And so it, it, it's really been, and, and it has developed into quite a little family. That's and, a beautiful uh, two-way street. That is a beautiful two-way street where kids get to engage with other kids as role models, as people to look up to, right. performers. And right. then they can also model behavior of performers. And then this is how you should conduct yourself in the theater to these other little kids. And then that's just very reciprocal in that classic <laughs> uh, torch-passing way that we like to think of local community life. That's what we're trying to do here in some respects. <clears throat> we're trying to maintain that torch of local news and journalism, reporting on topics, traditions and legacies that matter to the people of Hilliard. Um, I think that program that you're describing for kids by kids, I think that's really a great uh, evolution of the performing arts here in town. That's amazing. And we also have summer camps for kids. We have mm-hmm. two weeks of visual art camp, and we have three weeks of drama camp. One's going on right now and next week and the week after. Um, and they're hugely successful. We've got 40 kids in each camp, um, and that's capacity. Um, so that's another great opportunity, and it's become quite the incubator mm-hmm. for, um, there's a young man named Michael Broadhurst, um, who started in uh, drama camp when he was, his mom, Erin, te- is a string teacher at um, Bradley, at, at Memorial and Bradley, and his dad is a percussion teacher at um, Jim Broadhurst over at Ohio State, and um, <coughs> Michael came to drama camp as a six-year-old who was kind of shy, and I saw Spark, and then uh, I don't remember the show. I think it was Winnie the Pooh, but I, I told his mom, I said, get that kid an agent. And she did. <laughs> um, and he has gone on 
Uh, he's going to be a freshman at Davidson, and I think you'll be hearing from him. Huh. But he's gone on to do community theater all over Columbus. Wonderful. Um, and he's developed into an amazing talent. Yeah, confident, um, ready to ready to. And I do. think he's going to come back one last time. Uh, no, he's going to be an eighth grader. I take that back. He's coming back one last time to try and do a show with the four kids, by kids. Nice. Um, you know, kind of his swan song before he goes on to bigger things. Oh, that's that's great. That's great. Gra- Grandpa Joe or Willy Wonka? Do you think he'll play? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about how people can directly uh, support the building and the project now. Obviously, they can buy a ticket to Mary Poppins, July 14th yes. through the 16th, yes. at uh, the Hilliard-Davidson uh, High School. Mm-hmm. Not the Performing Arts Center. Not the the Performing Center. Arts Center at, at the Hilliard-Davidson High School. <clears throat> right. Sorry, excuse me. Right. But, uh, so, aside from buying a ticket to that, are there annual memberships can you buy like a subscription to the whole slate of productions as they can on broadway what what we just started a subscription it hasn't really taken off yet um, but we did try to offer a subscription to our entire season this year um we go by calendar year so we've got after mary poppins we have charlie and the chocolate factory the man who came to dinner and um christmas carol and um, and then we start a new season next calendar next year. year. Um, yes, we are doing season subscriptions. Um, we also encourage people to get. You know, we we are a full service arts organization. We have a gallery with beautiful paintings in it. We have um, an adult choir. We support the Hilliard Community Band. We support the Greater Columbus Community Orchestra. Um, and we also have a summer concert series where we offer free concerts every summer every Sunday evening at 7 for um, throughout the summer, except for this Sunday because of Mary Poppins. But, sure. Um, so people, and that's right in front of our building. Um, so people, you know, and I usually pass my pickle jar around and ask for donations. Sure. Now, is do you have patronage options? Can you just support as, an on, as a member of... You the- can make a donation on our website, hilliardartscouncil.org. There's, op- there's a button you can click on to donate. We also will be having a gala fundraiser in October, um, and uh, I think <coughs> we're calling it Encore. <coughs> we're going to feature performances, some of our favorite performances by folks that have been in our shows in the past, like Tim Julian, who did um, Jean Valjean and Les Mis. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm asking some of those folks to come back and do a number from a show they were in. Um, and we're going to have a silent auction. It's going to be at the McCoy Center. And um, nice. people can come to that, certainly. Uh, we, we're selling tables for 1000 bucks, And mm-hmm. you can buy a table for 1000 bucks and invite your friends to be at your table. Um, so we're hoping to make a lot of money on that. Uh, that supports us. Um, so there are a lot of ways to do that. Right. Consistency of funding throughout the year is a big thing because it allows you to plan better, allows you to organize. And right. that, you know, 50 years into a career, you know more than anything that staying organized is probably right up there. Uh, yeah. Especially when you try to put 85 kids on, people on stage. Well, <laughs> and, and Mary Poppins has cost upwards of $30,000. Wow. Because Ooh. of the set requirements, the <coughs> flying, and all the people that it takes to make all that happen. Sure. You know, I've been saying, I have a set designer, a costume designer, a props designer, a lighting designer, a sound designer, a tech director, a music director, and me. So that there's a team of, and a choreographer, there's a team of like nine of us that are putting this together. Um, Making the time matter and every meeting count. Right. Yeah. Got to be critical. 
But uh, yeah, it's an expensive production. So we hope people come to see it. Yes. Well, get out of this heat, my God. Come yes. into the nice uh, air-conditioned, climate-controlled uh, Hilliard-Davidson Performing Arts Center. Yes. Take a load off. Watch a wonderful performance yep. uh, a couple of times. Come yep. out a couple sure. of times. Sure. Why not? Bring the kids. Yes. So, uh, guys, do you have any other questions for Robin? Did you, was there anything you wanted to get to, uh, historically speaking, something that Kevin maybe... Everybody loves when Kevin taps into Kevin history. Kevin history time, <laughs> Kevin career time in the, in, the, in the growing up in the Hilliard area. Do you have anything that you remember from younger days? You know days? that Kevin was my student. Oh, here we go. Now we're talking. I Let's, mean, I don't know if I actually had you in class. Now, but Ken did. Ken did. Uh, in general choir. Um, I was just going to throw out a little tidbit. Uh, we spoke once um, a month or two ago about um, the, the effect, uh, the, the impact that teachers, educators can have on students. Especially um, in tough times. Yes. And I also think especially um, in the arts. Um, I think if you asked students you know, what teachers they most remember, <clears throat> I think oftentimes drama, music, choir, band, uh, for me, journalism. So... Um, I don't recall that. I think I, I don't think I drew any class. I had Mrs. Vance for something, and even Mrs. Gottlobson for something general. Because even even though you were drama directors, you also had to teach some other general yes. course. Yes, yes. So I had Miss Vance for some general course of one Probably kind research or another. Or that sounds right. That sounds right. And then I went to the Wildcat, of course, and I was in general choir. Um, I sometimes wondered, uh, looking back now, when you recognize a spark in somebody. We didn't sing too well in choir, some of us, so I do wonder sometimes what Ken might have possibly been um, thinking about how some of us, uh, and we sang in the gymnasium, which couldn't have been a good place to, to well, set choir. Well, that was when you were in middle school. In a piano. No, this was a freshman building. Okay. This, is where, this is where Jeff Reinhardt was principal. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, Ken was believing in the power of music and education when he was listening to you sing. That's <laughs> what he was believing okay. in, getting but through that. Ken had a theory he could teach anyone to sing. All right. Uh, no soloist that I remember, just general choir. Um, and I do remember this. has nothing to do with the music performance, but there were bleachers set up in uh, the gymnasium, and there was another student who was picking, poking me and um, bothered me enough you know, that I leaned over toward him and he grabbed me and uh, dragged me over and I fell between the the split and the risers. You've got an ad on the my ground. screen for coral risers right now. <laughs> they must be studying so, us. So I dropped down to the ground on my feet uh, from not that high up but I did fall between the bleachers. That's it. Can, can Mr. Brenneman said, ow, ow, both of you. <clears throat> so yeah. we go down to Mr. Reinhardt's office. Mr. Reinhardt looked at me, looked at the other student, and knew right away who the problem was. <laughs> wasn't me in this <laughs> instance. So I turned back up at Mr. Brenneman's class, and the other student stayed put. And uh, that was <laughs> that was something else. <laughs> when that we're done, you'll that. have to let me know who that was. <laughs> that was the end of the Don't say it now. Okay. Um, and uh, I have written about some of the production the Herd Arts Council did, yes. certainly on the process to build the Herd Cultural and Arts Center. So while I only was a spectator to all of that, um, being a student of Hilliard, I can date myself. I started kindergarten in 1975. So I've watched the Arts Council uh, from the outside looking in um, grow into, into what it is today. And knowing both Robin and Ken, I have a little 
insight into um, what it means for you for that dream to be realized mm -hmm. and, and all the emotional impact that that carries and, uh, and where the Arts Council is today. And we're still um, from hoping where to grow it even more. <clears throat> yeah. Adding more things all Absolutely. the time. Growth and, uh, and involving more people, always. Yep. I think the social, the social factor of arts and performances has <coughs> uh, never been more uh, missed than in the last couple of years obviously for reasons beyond anybody's control mm -hmm. sitting at this table uh, but also welcome the return is very welcome and the role that you play in that can't be underestimated here locally so thank you for coming out today thank you for tolerating a thank somewhat you. sweltering it's, warehouse environment it's, but it's okay and it, I kind of like the I, I kind of dig in the atmosphere well actually. you know you look around in here there's plenty of room to rig things up there and very, all sorts uh, of very Greenwich uh, Village loftish I, I, I got, got, got a black okay box vibe <laughs> yeah a little black yeah. box theater yeah, vibe yeah it does yep. it does well thank you for inviting me I always love having an opportunity to talk about the Arts Council great well thank you so much again uh, we'll have everybody over uh, from the production do a little table read at some point, and we'll we'll figure some things out for archiving because that's the next thing I want to talk with you about. How do you go about archiving all these performances and making sure these memories last in ways that are meaningful? But that'll be for another time, another conversation. And I thank Robin for teaching me a little bit about production and plays. I know more than I would have otherwise uh, in writing what I did about the Hillard Arts Council. And yep. I even went to see some productions here and there. Um, yes, I called her about seeing 12 Angry Men. I went to see Richard Thomas in To Kill a Mockingbird. Good. Um, I saw that recently. Uh, I only saw one play in New York, and that was Jersey Boys. Um, that's but, a good but, choice. But that's because I like um, music, so... That's a good choice. Brings it all together. So I did see Jersey Boys. That was out of that Dreamgirls era, right, where they <coughs> kind of started to explore the the vocal singing what groups they call, and what origin stories. What I call stories. jukebox musicals. Jukebox mm. musicals. That's what a lot of people call them. But. Yeah, show off the hits. Everybody loves right. the hits. There's I, a I, lot I, of them on Broadway I, right now. I learned how actors got from Broadway to the big stage and back into movies and back. Uh, the Fantastic was something you did once, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, a couple times. And that taught me that Jerry Orbach did something other than Lenny Briscoe. He was yes, in the Fantastics, did. like in 1964. He was also the lead Don't in put Baby in the Corner. <laughs> that too. Jerry Orbach was the lead in first lead in the musical Chicago, so. which I saw so. back in the 70s with Cheetah Rivera and Gwen Verdon. Oh, wow. And, and as mm -hmm. a matter of fact, uh, this is a little sneak preview for your subscribers. But a year from November, we're going to do that musical in the Little Theater, Chicago. Here we go. Very Sneak cool. preview. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. We are exiting stage left. And, Exit, uh, stage left. Thank you All so right. much for joining us today. Robin, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Sure. Until next time, everyone, have a great day and goodbye.